Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots Bay Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And tonight, we take a look at Sunday Night in the Pipeline. Now, I've somewhat gone over some of this stuff already before, but here is the standard version of looking at everything. In case you heard the other episode, this fills in the blanks. If you haven't heard the other episode, well, keep listening. You'll hear it. Uh, there's stuff worth listening to. Okay, Iowa lost five, eight to five. Joe Biagini pitched rather well. Seven innings, six hits, three runs, three earned. If we could rely upon that more often, then I possibly might encourage Joe Biagini instead of someone else currently in the soon-to-be six-man rotation. When Biagini was done, well, the Cubs had taken the lead. Um, Austin Romine, not to be confused with Andrew Romine, his brother. Austin Romine was two for two with two runs scored. Nick Martini was two for two with a run scored. Trace Thompson hit a grand slam and drew a walk. Trent Giambroni was two for four. The Cubs led five to three when Biagini left. And... Full pause. Normally, what you do in that situation is you bring in the leverage guy, and then you follow that up with the leverage guy. You try to put the win away, correct? Yes, that's what you normally try to do. However, in the minor leagues, what you're honestly trying to do is assess who you have, what you have. There are a lot of players who have recently, recently, easy for me to say, as I roll the E, how do you roll an E? Juan Gomez has recently been brought up from Tennessee. He, I don't even know how long he was at Tennessee. Um, Cubs are checking to see what they have. They're really honestly assessing, is this guy a guy that belongs at this level? Is this guy a guy that belongs at this level? Whole bunch of that offensively and defensively. And if... Someone else gets called up. They're going to have to keep doing that. They're going to have to keep assessing, does this guy belong here? Juan Gomez was brought in to start the eighth inning, and today was not a good day for Juan Gomez. Blown save, third of an inning, five runs surrendered, and Iowa loses eight to five. Rowan Wick pitched the ninth. One inning, one hit, one strikeout. Nothing too disturbing. He should probably be ready to be up in Chicago relatively soon. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I, I doubt it would be tomorrow. Now, let's take a little look at tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Cubs might need another arm. Seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. Seems logical. Uh, I th- is is Dylan Maples ready to come off the ten day injured list? I think he might be. Dylan Maples replacing um, Michael Rucker or yeah, I, I guess I probably guess Michael Rucker. Uh, it could be someone different, but realistically. Um, Dylan Maples for Michael Rucker might make sense. 
And then the next night, bringing up um, Justin Steele and then sending someone back to AAA in addition, um, possibly Trevor McGill could be the other order. But, you know, I, I think since... Uh, Michael Rucker pitched on Sunday. He might go first. McGill, having not pitched on Sunday, might go next. Just just tossing some things together. Who knows? I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but that, that might be a guess. And then Rowan Wick might be ready to come back up soon as well. Um, just my take on things. Tennessee was up against a Tennessee was up against the Rays this week. When you're up against a Rays affiliate, it's really kind of cheating assessing the talent. Think back to the start of the year when Myrtle Beach had a whole bunch of kids who'd never played pro games before playing against guys, well, ne never played pro games before and hadn't played games with box scores in the United States or anything along those lines. They're up against guys who are two-year, three-year, first-team all-conference in the SEC, ACC, and it was just brutal. And Myrtle Beach got off to a terrible offensive start, and people say, why aren't these guys hitting? Well, look at who they're pitching. Well, I've never heard of um, Seth Johnson before. Well, that's not my fault that you haven't heard of a guy that was a, you know, <laughs> highly valued draft pick. Um, today, Caleb Killian went up against the AA ten, um, Montgomery Biscuits Tampa Bay squad. Killian did not have a great game. Five innings, six hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, three strikeouts. Not a great game. Not going to be one that he's going to want in his personal um, oh, why well, you call those things that you... Uh, never mind. Uh, it wasn't his best outing. And it will be interesting at some point to find out from Killian, who had done so well in the Giants system, if there was an adjustment period coming over because he knows nobody here. He knows absolutely nobody over here. And he's bouncing from a group of coaches that he knew and a group of catchers that he knew and pitchers that he knew. And now he's just with a whole bunch of guys. He has no idea who they are. And he didn't have a sensational outing and he was up against the Braves. So, you know, there you go. Uh, take that for a very, very small two thirds of a grain of sand, not even an entire grain of sand, two thirds of a grain of sand over the long haul. Killian will figure it out. Won't be a problem. Brandon Hughes, inning and a third, one hit, two strikeouts, ERA 2.05. Brandon Little, 1.1 innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts, ERA 3.60. If there are Cubs moves where players go up but players are not returned, Brandon Hughes probably... Belongs at AAA for a look there. Brandon Hughes might even deserve a 40-man roster spot in the offseason. Brendan Little, same thing. He might. Um, I'm not sure. 
those 50-50 calls, it's not even so much you don't want him to get drafted by another team. You don't want to lose him long term. If he ends up if someone ends up getting drafted by another team, gets into their major league spring training camp for, you know, five weeks, whatever, possibly even sticks with the major league club for a while, but eventually it turns out, no, we're not going to be able to keep him and the Cubs would end up possibly getting him back. That's not necessarily a bad draw. The player would would probably almost certainly get some sort of benefit from having been with another organization for a couple of couple of weeks, a month, five weeks, whatever it is, longer than that, who knows. Um, Jared Young, three for four. Brennan Davis, one for four with a double plus an outfield assist. Delvin Zinn, two for four. Tennessee loses two to nothing. Don't sweat that even remotely. South Bend, 10 to five win over... Peoria, it's always nice when the Cubs take on the Cardinals affiliate and the Cubs win four of six. Always nice, always nice. Alexander Canario, 4-1-1-3 with a walk. He had a three-run homer that just landed about four minutes ago. He mauled another pitch. Um... His first two at-bats, I think it was his first two at-bats, he uh, lined one deep to right center, and he didn't even hit it very well. Lined one to third that turned into a double play. Toss in a walk. Toss in a 415, 430-foot homer. That'll work. Um, Scott McKeon. Three for three, one run scored, three runs driven in. Nice job, Scott McKeon. Joshua Uma. Actually, Joshua Uma has one of the coolest names in the Cubs organization. I got it. Joshua Uma, absolutely fantastic name. But if you try to turn it into anything even remotely American, it just it, it dribbles out of your mouth and ends up on your shoes. Joshua Uma, absolutely great name. Three, one, one, two, one for three, run scored, two runs driven in. Jake Slaughter, three at-bats, two runs, one hit, one RBI. Bryce Ball, one for three, run scored, RBI with a walk. Bryce Ball's going to be fine. Um, Alexander Vizcaino started that game. It was a bullpen game, Vizcaino, one inning, two strikeouts. He was done before I was awake. I flipped on, I I woke up at like quarter after one, flipped on the, who's even playing right now? What's actually going on? And uh, Vizcaino, strikeout, out, strikeout, and he was done. That, That was absolutely fantastic with Vizcaino. Just get him in, get him out, get him over with, get him through, get him more looks. I'd rather have him have him pitch an inning on, well, let's see, pitch Sunday. I'd just soon see him pitch again on Wednesday for an inning and have him pitch again on Sunday for an inning. I don't even care. Just get him out there, get him in, get him out, basically. There's no real specific reason for him to be tossing four or five innings. 
he's already taking up a 40-man roster spot. He's going to be a short reliever. He throws hard. His second best pitch is a changeup. If you can get a fastball changeup guy that can possibly, um, you know, use him as a seventh inning guy. That's fine. I'm good with that. Totally good with that in a while. Brian King, left-hander, two innings, one hit, no walks. Uh, no runs, one walk. Um, j- j- he, Brian King is a perfectly functional left-hander at the advanced A level. He got the win. He's, I looked it up. I can't remember. The big news of the day, though, the big news of the day, Daniel Palencia, three innings, 63 pitches, six strikeouts, easy, 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 98, 99, 100, easy, not, not even, you know, just, uh, looked like he was, you know, just warming up or something, it, just, there, there was, there was no strain or anything on anything he was throwing, three innings, ties his career long, 63 pitches, that is a career high, six strikeouts, no worries there. He gave up a run, not a problem. Uh, Denise Correa, somebody mentioned him. I, I asked a question on Twitter tonight. Who's your favorite 35 in the Cubs prospect pool? Ooh, ooh, this is going to take a couple minutes. Uh, I'm going to go with it anyway. 35 plus is the threshold for um, he's going to be included in the book. Now, there are some guys who... Um, there was a miss, for instance, DJ hers, when Fangraphs did their listing, they didn't include him. And I don't know why they didn't left-hander throws 94, 95, 96 is getting in five innings in a bunch of his starts. I don't see why he wasn't included as at least 35. That seems like a miss. You know, they just didn't include him for whatever reason, or he was on the list and somebody for clerical error, nobody typed it in, whatever. But there are some people who are 35s. They're not 35 pluses, they're 35s. I asked, who is your favorite 35 in the system? The one I went with was Darius Hill, started in Myrtle Beach, got promoted from Myrtle Beach to Tennessee, and when he was promoted from Myrtle Beach to Tennessee, I was thinking, oh, that's adorable that he's going to get some swings in Tennessee. And he's the best hitter in Tennessee for two weeks. Three weeks. Maybe longer than that. Until Brennan Davis showed up, Darius Hill was probably the best hitter they had. He's not listed anywhere on anybody's list. He's not. He, he's a 35. He's, he's truly a 35 until somebody says he's a 35-plus. So I was asking, who's everybody's favorite 35 in the Cubs system? And I went with Darius Hill. Somebody else went with um, Delvin Zinn. Fantastic call. Versatile. Very good speed. If the bat ever develops to the point where he's actually hitting, he's definitely a major league player. Someone else tossed off Denise Correa. Fantastic call. Fantastic call. 1.73. ERA at Myrtle Beach throws hard. I can't 97, 98. You know, the, the numbers uh get a bit fuzzy here and there. But if you're throwing 97, 98, 
that that's that's fairly good. And um, 9798, whatever it may, is he hitting 100? I can't remember. 1.73 ER, 1.73 ERA. Yeah, that's pretty good for a 35. Bailey Reed is the Myrtle Beach closer. About 80% of the time, he's really good. 20% of the time, he's um, basically walking into a fan. Uh, has an ERA of 4.21. Usually, he's really good. Sometimes, he has a bad night. Today, uh, I was taking care of something, and the audio cut out. And when the audio cuts out, sometimes it takes me 45 seconds to recognize it. So I, I, I clicked on to get back to the game with the um, Firefly, Columbia Fireflies call. Bailey Reed had the game over, had his inning over, had the game over in two and a half minutes. It, it, it couldn't have been any longer than that because I hit the play button. It's like, well, game's over. Okay, we'll be back for final wrap-up in a minute. It's like, how, how could you guys be done? You just started the half inning. Bailey Reed must have had a really good outing. Um, the Myrtle Beach game, Palencia gave up a run. His innings were long, a bit arduous sometimes. His first inning was really good. His second inning was kind of good. His third inning took a year and a half. But um, it, it it's all right because with a pitcher like Palencia, I'm going to talk a lot more about Palencia later. Um, I talked about him earlier. I'm going to talk about him now a bit. I'm going to talk about him later more. But... Uh, Palencia gave up a run. The rest of the bullpen was shut down, locked down, nothing. Um, Columbia did not score against the bullpen for six innings. It was a matter of would the offense score even a little tiny bit. And Jacob Wetzel tied the game against a lefty with a left center field home run. And then he singled in the... Eighth or ninth, it was one of the two. I think he drove in Pablo Aliendo, who I, I, I don't know. Colombia might pass the law that Pablo Aliendo can no longer come into Colombia because when he shows up in Colombia, he just beats the snot out of him for some reason. But um, Jacob Wetzel, both RBIs, home run, RBI single, two to one. I think Myrtle Beach swept that series. Don't quote me on it, but I saw somebody saying something about if they win this. They sweep the series, and that just seemed absolutely impossible because how could Myrtle Beach sweep a series? But Daniel Palencia, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Um, it was it was a nice week. Now tomorrow, it being Monday, you only get three games. You get the morning games with the Dominican Summer League, and then you get Mesa at night. Um. For those of you who are interested in the other morbid, curie, uh, morbid fascination kind of thing going on, um, the Tigers four seventy four eleventh, Cubs four sixty or tenth, Rockies four fifty five are ninth. Now a couple days ago, it, the Cubs were well, 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 well behind the Rockies. Now they're only, uh, 
well ahead of the Rockies. Now they're only five one-hundredths of a point ahead of the Rockies. The Rockies are off tomorrow. Cubs get the Brewers. Cubs have a four-game set against the Brewers. What are the Cubs really going to win against the Brewers? How many games are the Cubs going to win against the Brewers? They could split. They could split. But if they don't, all of a sudden they're starting to um, fall like a chandelier or a you know falling knife or whatever. And if they have one of those stretches where they go one and thirteen, they're going to be definitely in the range of the drive for five. I was looking a bit at um, potential top five picks and. One of the ones I was looking at tonight was Tamar Johnson. 5'8", 5'9". Shortstop, second baseman. Maybe a little bit of center field. Quick, really nice looking swing. Has way more pop than you would expect from a guy who's like 5'8", 5'9". Now, I could throw off a name of a guy who was a second baseman that hit left-handed. There's about wasn't a whole lot bigger than five eight five nine, but I'm not going to say his name because then I would be comping him to a player who is ridiculously good. That said, Tamar Johnson looks really nice. If the Cubs are in that situation where they're dra- drafting one of the top five, one of the top six, one of the top seven, that's going to be a really good player. Then at some point, you get to start asking the question, as as the Cubs start to have a balanced system, which they've never really had, the Cubs have never had a balanced system. Right now, they're getting there. I don't know if you can say they're a totally balanced system now. It seems a bit bat-heavy, but... If some of the arms develop, if Caleb Killian figures it out with the Cubs system like he did with the Giants system, if Jordan Wicks does well, you know, et cetera, et cetera, if this, if that, if the other thing, then the Cubs could get to a situation where they're finally a balanced system and you can almost look at the top five. The top five, the top six, the top seven, the top eight. And question, is there that big of a difference between the fifth and the seventh guy? Is there? That's not a question for now. It's a question for next June. Next June, next July. Are there significant differences between the player the Cubs might draft, and the guy that might be coming off two or three later. And you ask that question, if the five, the six, the seven, and the eight are all about equal, or the seven, the eight, the nine, and the ten are all really kind of similar, then it's possible for the Cubs to say, it's time to go with what it is the system really needs. Drafting the best available is ideal. However, at some point, 
It might be the time for the Cubs to say, perhaps there's a starting pitcher out there, a high school starting pitcher, that's marginally risky because he is a high school pitcher, but he might be worth taking. I haven't been interested in the Cubs taking a high school pitcher in the first round because that is so absurdly risky. I've wanted the bat, the college bat. Ed Howard was fine. Jordan Wicks was fine. But at some point, it might be time to gamble with a high school arm. That's getting way ahead of myself. Way ahead of myself. But since it's my podcast, I'm allowed to do that. Split in the system. The two top teams lose. The two bottom teams win. The recently acquired players have looked fantastic. Heck, even Greg Dykeman had an RBI tonight. Can't complain about that. Can't complain about him. Really can't complain about too much of any of them. The, um, I was told by somebody that some of the Cubs trades at the deadline were terrible. I, 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 had, I had to laugh. My favorite one, he, he said that the Jack Peterson trade was terrible. The Jack Peterson trade was terrible. I said, okay, you get a 35-plus prospect for trading a guy in Jack Peterson who's not even better than the guy in Rafael Ortega who replaced him. How's that a bad trade? Seriously. Seriously. Bryce Ball, you can like Bryce Ball. You cannot like Bryce Ball. No sweat off my nose. You, You don't have to fall in love with Bryce Ball. But the Cubs traded two months of Jack Peterson and plugged in Rafael Ortega, who's a better player now than Jack Peterson and is going to be a cost-free, almost, going to be league minimum next year. Aren't you glad? Aren't you happy the Cubs have had two more weeks of looking at Rafael Ortega? Wasn't that fantastic? Like, hey, maybe this guy might not be terrible. He might be worth keeping around next year. And they got to play Rafael Ortega a lot. Why? Because they traded Jack Peterson and got Bryce Ball back. And Bryce Ball just hit one halfway to Mishawaka. Where, where's, where's the downside? Ball is not... Darren Pritchett put it really well on the broadcast. Bryce Ball runs like a guy who's 6'6". He's not a fast man. He's not a great defensive player at first base. But he draws walks. He's very patient. He knows the strike zone better than the umpires do. If the umpire rings him up on strike three, okay, that's fine. The umpire probably might have screwed it up. (laughs) The umpires at at the advanced A level, they're the umpires at the advanced A level. They're not, you know... Bryce Ball knows the strike zone. And when he times it up, he can lose it. So yeah, Bryce Ball, he's fine. Bryce Ball is fine for Jack Peterson. No worries there. I really haven't been horribly disappointed with anyone. The only player I haven't really gotten a chance to 
pay much mind to is Bailey Horn. I don't think he's pitched. I don't think he's been on the roster. I um hopefully he gets to pitch soon because it'd be nice to hear how he does. Le- left-hander throws 97-98. Yeah, why not bring it? Um Yeah, the just really not a whole lot to be angry about at the minor league level. At the major league level, yeah, fine. See a whole bunch of people, I don't want to watch anymore. These guys are terrible. They're horrible. And think, well, listen to the minor leagues. They're fun. They're fun. They're actually doing well. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And have a nice week.